Hey, we are uh, finishing up the book of Jude this morning, Our Truth Matters, and hopefully you got one of these as you were coming in. I believe they would be online as well. Uh, there's nothing sacred about this or special. This is just a kind of a compilation of, of how we can discern. All right, we want to contend for the truth. How can we discern false teaching? How can we discern apostasy? And I, I think you'll like it. There's four little tests to take a look at. The fruit test, the doctrine test, the scripture test, and the gospel test. So there's some scriptures in there to help you with that. And just to be careful as you uh, listen to, read, uh, you're visiting, talking with people, all those things, and, and, and testing the spirit as the, the scripture says. So we're going to be in Jude 24 and 25. Are you ready? We're going to finish it up. Next week is the Lord's Supper. I'm excited about that and look forward to, uh, to sharing that with you and spending some time in prayer together. So next week, sit by someone who, who you think might pray with you, okay? Don't, don't, don't growl at them either, so be ready to do that next week. We look forward to that. And then we'll be starting in the book of Ruth in, in November. Excited to think about in ordinary life. Think about Ruth for a minute. Extraordinary God comes through. In ordinary life, extraordinary God comes through. So Jude 24, 25, we've, we've entitled it, God Gets the Glory, and we're grateful for that today. But I want to tell you about a woman who went to a pet store and purchased a parrot to keep her company. And she took the new parrot home, the pet home, and all day long she sat and looked at the parrot and no talkie. The parrot did not talk, would not talk. So the next day she went back to the pet store and she uh, told uh, the owner of the pet store, hey, the parrot hasn't said a word yet. And the storekeeper asked her, does it have a mirror? You know, uh, parrots like to look at themselves in the mirror. Okay, great, I'll buy a mirror. Went home all day, same thing, no talking. Next day she goes back to the storekeeper again and says, same thing, there's no talking going on here. He said, what about a ladder? Parrots like to climb up and down the ladder. Great, I'll buy a ladder. Goes home, guess what? You know the story? No talking. She goes back one more time another day and says, look, the parrot is not talking. I don't know what I'm going to do. He said, aha, have you purchased a swing? No, the parrot loves to swing. They love to do that. It's going to help. So she went home, got the, bought the swing, went home. Still no talking. The next day, finally, she comes back to the store and announced that the bird died. The storekeeper was sad about this. He said, I'm terribly sorry to hear that. D did the bird ever actually say anything at all to you? And she said, matter of fact, yes. Uh, just before the bird died, the bird said, don't they sell any bird food at that store? <laughs> Listen closely. Sometimes we fail to pay attention to the most important priorities of life. Did you catch that? Bird food was a big priority for that parrot. Kids, it was just a story. No animals had been harmed or killed in this story, really. But sometimes we don't pay close attention to the things that matter most, the priorities. And for the Christian, are you ready? The all-encompassing motive behind all of our activities, all of our motives, is God's glory. That's what it's supposed to be. We're not all there all the time. 
Let me read to you a few scriptures as we begin. 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11. Based on the gift each one has received, use it to serve others as good managers of the very grace of God. If anyone speaks, it should be as one who speaks God's word. If anyone serves, it should be from the strength God provides. So that, are you ready? God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. God may be glorified through Jesus Christ in everything. To him belong the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 31. You've heard of this verse before. Therefore, whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, okay, Paul's covering everything. You know it? Do everything for God's glory. Wow, think about that for a minute. And I want to say, to the glory of God, be to the glory of God, glory God, it should not be a throwaway phrase. I fear sometimes in some circles of Christians that it's a flippant phrase and it's a, just a, almost a throwaway phrase. You know what that means? Are you, are you with me? It becomes rote. And this morning we had spontaneous, just a minute ago, uh, glory to God. That's the picture we need to see. Not something that is necessarily planned or not that just we say on the end of everything, but that we really understand that. So, so just check your heart and make sure it's not that way. Uh, Lynn and I got to go to the New Mexico Philharmonic last night. I like Finlandia. I got to hear that last night. I'm a big Dvorak fan. You're going, what, is that a cult or something? No, it's a <laughs> composer from Czechoslovakia back in the day. But anyway, it got me thinking about music and stuff. And you know the story of Bach, don't you? J.S. Bach. He wrote something at the beginning of all his comp compositions. I'm not going to tell you what that is. That's your homework. But at the end, he wrote the letters S, D, G. You know what that was? That was short for the Latin words, Soli Deo Gloria, which means glory to God alone. So see, it's not a throwaway phrase. Maybe we should say glory to God and remind ourselves in our head every time we say it, alone. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's not about us. It's about God. The big idea this morning is as we contend for the truth, we must give all glory to God, not some or when we feel like it, but all of it. Let's read Jude 24 and 25. Now to him who is able to protect you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory, do you see it? Blameless and with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, here it is, be glory, majesty, power, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. Would you pray with me? God, we pray that you will speak to our hearts this morning, that our ears will be open, our eyes will see, we will understand, and God, you will change us in that we will be able to apply scripture to our life today in this coming week. Thank you for your word and what we learn from it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So I thought I'd do something a little different today, just take some of the phrases out of the uh, scripture that we looked at. And of course, Jude 24 and 25 starts with this. Now to him who is able. 
You could unpack that into a whole sermon right there. You know what I've noticed? Whenever I do a book, I always spend time on the salutation. You know what that is? And if you will, the benediction. You know what that is, kind of? We, just, we read all the meat, and sometimes we forget that those are inerrant, infallible words of God's Scripture, just like all the other stuff in between those, and that God uh, has, has taken these writers and under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit has got it down just like Creator God wants it to be. So we need to take a look at now to Him who is able. And I want to start with the word now, and I want to tell you something about God. This may not be good English, but here's the truth. God is in the ever-present now. He is in the ever-present now. Hebrews 13, 8 tells us Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The word now denotes a sense of urgency. And here's some good news for you today, church. God is able to meet all your needs now. Hello? Yeah, I, you know, a preacher needs to hear that just every now and then. I didn't say all your desires, but God, in the ever-present now, he's able to meet all your needs now. You see, there's no waiting room. God will see you now. To those who are trapped by circumstances and think things will never change, God is here now. He is the ever-present God, and he is here now. To those who think they are failing in the Christian life, God is here now. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's here to save you now. The Bible says today, not tomorrow, today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. Now, to him. Okay, who's him? Who's he? Let me just share you a few titles. He is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the chief cornerstone, the chief shepherd, the creator, eternal life, the faithful and true witness, the firstborn of the dead, the good shepherd, the great high priest, the hope of glory. Yes, I'm going alphabetical. The great I am, king of kings and lord of lords. He's the light of the world, mighty God, the one mediator, the stone which the builders rejected. And he is the way, the truth, and the life. That's who is able. That's who is able. It is him. It is God. It is God, and he is able. And Jude says now, that's the present, and he says now to him, that's the person, our God. And then there's the power because it says now to him who is able. Now, I don't know how much you are able about certain things. When I do construction or remodeling work, I'm always brought to my knees, well, literally, hands and knees, but figuratively, am I really able to do this? Can I just say that caulk and paint makes me so much more able than the master carpenter, all right? It is amazing what you can hide with that, okay? Little, little secret for you there. But whatever you think you are able in, I don't care whether you're a professional athlete, you're like the lady on the violin last night at the concert, you are uh, the greatest teacher, you think, or whatever in your profession. Maybe you're a great mom. Abel is different here because all of us are sinners. All of us are not perfect. God is. God is the one who is able. You see, none of this matters if we just say, now to him. Great. 
Not sure if he's really able to do all this or not. No, he must be able. When I go back in my Bible to the book of Genesis and I make my way through the Old Testament and through the New Testament, guess what? I see evidence after evidence and proof after proof that God is able. Go on a quick trip with me and you think about these things. The creation of the world tells me that God is able. Amen? The parting of the Red Sea tells me that God is able. The walls of Jericho tell me that God is able. The killing of Goliath tell me that God is able. The fiery furnace and the lion's den tell me that God is able. Jonah and the great fish tell me that God is able. The virgin birth tells me that God is able. The feeding of the 5,000 tell me that God is able. The healing of the blind and the deaf and the mute and the lame, they all tell me that God is able. But more than any of these things, hear me, church, more than any any of these things, it is the empty tomb that tells me that God is able. God is able. Jesus was not resuscitated like someone. He was resurrected. Friend, I'm here to tell you today that he has all the power. He is able. He has conquered sin and death. He is the one who can save. God is the one who saves. He is able. Now to him who is able... Think about that for a minute. 1 Timothy 1.12. We, we get from the King James Version actually a, a hymn lyric. See if you remember this one. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded, you know it, that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. Hebrews 7.25 Therefore, he is always able to save those who come to God through him, since he always lives to intercede for them. So what can we get from this phrase? Let's get this. God gets the glory because he is God right now, and he is able. Let's move on to the next phrase we see in verse 24. Uh, to protect you from stumbling. That's an interesting phrase. Remember, from here on out, we've acknowledged that he's able. So he's able to do these things, to protect you from stumbling. The word protect is a military word. It means to watch, to be on guard, even to preserve, to save. You see, God is able to save us. He's able to sustain us. He's able to secure us. We are saved by the grace of God, and we are kept by the power of God. And God protects us from, the word is stumbling. You know, literally, you know what that literally means? You know, have you ever stumbled before? This literally means falling on our face. God protects us from that. We're like, well, that would be quite embarrassing. And eh, it's talking about more than that, okay? Let me just say to you, as we're finishing up Jude, don't let apostates surprise you. Don't allow them to stop you. Don't allow them to stifle you. Just keep your focus on Jesus. Did you note how personal this phrase is? It says he is able to protect you from stumbling. You know the verses, Romans 8, 38 and 39. I used to be able to quote them confidently, but I memorized them in a couple different versions and that messed everything up. But you know what it is. For I am convinced 
What a great chapter. That neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate. You see the word able there? Will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's a simple phrase to protect you from stumbling, but it's powerful. How do we summarize it? God gets the glory because it is all his power and his protection. Doesn't matter how hard we try, it's not about us, it's about him. Well, let's look at the next phrase in verse 24. To make you stand in the presence of his glory. Have you ever thought about being in the presence of God and his glory? You know what happens in the Bible with that? <laughs> right? Think about it for a minute. It's exciting to think about, but also to me, it's kind of like, that's serious, wow. But think about it for a minute. Jesus has the power to save us, but Jesus also has the power to stand us up before the very presence of God. You see, God is holy. Would you guys agree with that? God is holy, and we are what? Thank you. We're not. That's a nice way of saying we're dirty, rotten, scoundrel sinners, right? You know what the term vaporized means? Sinner can't just go before God who is holy, right? We must be saved. We're covered by the blood of Jesus. We are children of the king. We're part of the family. See, Jesus has the power to stand us up before the presence of God. Jude tells us that the Lord will present us standing in the presence of his glory, blameless and with great joy. Did you see that? In the presence of his glory. On that day that Jude describes, we will be made perfect and we will stand before our holy and perfect God. How does that sound to you? Sounds pretty good to me. The ticket has been bought. The transportation has been provided. The arrangements have been made. The wardrobe has been prepared. And the stage has been set. It will happen. It will come to fruition. Because Jesus has the power to do that. And the scripture here tells us something else. That the Lord Jesus will have great what? Great joy. Did you catch that? Or maybe in your version it says exceeding joy. Great joy to present his church, true believers, before the throne one day. And did you catch the other word that's there? Blameless. To present me and you blameless before the throne one day. And please note how secure this is. You see, Scripture tells us that nothing can snatch the true believer out of his hand. I wasn't going to read this this morning, but I was reading this early this morning at the house. I was reading John chapter 10 and 11. In John chapter 10, verse 27 through 30, these are the words of Jesus. My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life. Did you catch that? It's not rocket science. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish ever. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Is that powerful? Now, if that's not enough, Jesus is going to kind of repeat it again for us dummies to get it. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. 
The Father and I are one. Do you catch that? We call it eternal security. Lamar, why would you be talking about this? Because there is some people who teach that you get saved and lost and saved and lost and saved and lost. It just doesn't jive, in my humble opinion, with Scripture. No one, nothing, if we're a true believer, can snatch us out of his hand. Jesus is the one who can make you stand in the presence of the glory of God. Hebrews 12, 2. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. You see, we will have unspeakable joy in the presence of God someday. Someday it's going to happen. Someday there will be no sickness or disease, you know, sorrow, regret, guilt, shame. It will all be taken away. So God gets the glory in summary because he is the one who securely saves. He's the one who does it, and God gets the glory. Well, let's do one more phrase this morning. And it's uh, the closing phrase, be glory, majesty, power, and authority. So you see some different descriptors there, but I believe it's the first one that matters, and all the others follow in, in succession. I'll get it right here in a minute. So majesty is important, power is important, authority, but the phrase begins with be glory. What does that mean? It all belongs to him. It all goes to him. It's an active phrase. Jude, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, it's as if he breaks into spontaneous praise. Do you see it? Right at the end of this little uh, letter, he is in spontaneous praise, and we should do the same when we realize that God can take sinners like us and declare us righteous, we should give all praise to him. When we realize that, we will, that when we stand before God, we will be like Jesus, we will be without fault. It ought to cause us to praise him. And let me ask you, I'm not going to ask you how long it's been since you praised God, because I hope you just did it a few minutes ago. What I'm going to ask you, though, is how long has it been since you praised God for your salvation? Doesn't it get comfortable sometimes? Like a glove, a well-worn glove that just fits your hand well, and you just assume it'll always be like that. I think that's how our salvation sometimes is for us. But should we not every day praise God for salvation since he is the one who saves? Hmm. Can I get a praise today? Well, we had one. But if I'd have said, what do you think about your salvation? I wonder what kind of praise we'd get. You're not prepared, I know, but just think about it. Think about it. I heard of a very reserved church which did not encourage any amens, praise the Lord's or hallelujahs. And by the way, church, if you haven't discovered by now, I'm okay with those. In fact, your silence leads me to say a prayer, God, is anyone out there? Are they hearing? Because I know that these are simple words, but are they getting it? Are they hearing it? You know, so I'd, some of you would say, well, it's just that God's word is so pro 
profound that I just got to let it soak it in. No, it's okay sometimes to, to let it out. So this reserved church wouldn't allow any of that to go on. But one Sunday, they did something crazy. They handed out helium balloons to everybody in the service. And they told them, release your balloon at some point whenever you wanted to express praise in your hearts. Not out loud, of course, but just whoop, let it go up. And all through the service, something amazing happened. The balloons were ascending. Isn't that great? Awesome. But when the service was over, only about two-thirds of the balloons had been released. Some people had not let go of their balloon. Church, it's a silly story. But it's time that we let go of that balloon of praise. And we each and every day praise God for who he is. We praise God for his salvation in our life. We praise God and he gets the glory for it all. God gets the glory because all praise goes to him. Think about that for a minute. Well, how would we wrap up the wrap-up to Jude? I would say this to you. There is a great seriousness to God's glory. Now, God is a jealous God, not in our negative way of thinking, of course, in a perfect, sinless way. And I want to tell you something. Glory is as essential to God as light is to the sun, as blue is to the sky, as wet is to water. See, you can't make the sun light. It is light. Would you agree with that? Now, we may have a scientist in here that would come challenge me on that, but this is a layman speaking, okay? It's light. You don't make the sky blue. It's blue. You don't make water wet. We can agree on that one, right? It is wet, right? Do an experiment when you get home, kids. Take a cup of water and go up to Dad and say, Dad, don't hurt me, and just toss it right on him and see if he's wet. No, I, I really don't want you to do that, okay? Do it to mom. <laughs> no, don't do that either. It is. These things just are. And likewise, let's go one step forward with this idea of God gets the glory. We don't make God glorious. We don't do it. God is glorious. Case closed, regardless of what we do, we don't make him glorious. You see, it is not so much that we give God glory, but rather we are acknowledging the glory that God already has. Think about that for a minute. Regardless of what you do, or you do, or you do, he is glorious, and all glory goes to him. What we do, we, we need to be faithful and obedient and step up and acknowledge that all glory goes to him because he is glorious. You see, that takes the pressure off, in my opinion. No matter who you are, whether you're an extrovert or introvert, whether you think you're wise or you think you're ignorant or you're young or you're old or whatever qualifier you want to put on it, we just have to acknowledge the glorious nature of God. Can we do it? We can do it, can't we? I think we can. We can be, be like Jude here and say, be glory, majesty, power, and authority before all time, now and forever. That pretty much covers it. Amen.
And we end this little postcard book with the word amen. In the New Testament, amen means something. It means affirmation, truth, uh, verily. Have you ever seen in your Bible, verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say to you? It's amen. Some have said it means it is so. I like Star Trek. Anyone like Star Trek? Captain Picard. Make it so, number one, right? <laughs> it is so, right? So be it. This is amen. And this is how this book ends. And I think it's a fitting closing to the process of contending for truth. All these weeks were to contend for truth. Watch out for this. Watch out for that. Inspect this. Inspect that. Do this. Do that. Contrast this and that. It is, uh, it is part of the process. And it will be done. Amen. So be it. I usually say amen. I don't know why I'm saying oh, I'm in there. I'm in church. I don't know. <laughs> Let me tell you a little story about Charles Haddon Spurgeon, the prince of preachers from the 1800s in London. You'll remember him. Wrote great things, but he, I think he's quoted so much because he was very pithy. Do you know what that word means? Here's what he He said amen once in this way. He, he was so sure of his salvation, Spurgeon was. He was so sure he was guaranteed uh, heaven, uh, what we just saw here in these verses, that he is quoted as saying this, that he would, are you ready, quote, willingly grab onto a cornstalk, swing out over the fires of hell, look into the face of the devil and sing, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Now, I don't know if he really said that. It's been documented in a few places, but I wasn't there. But it's a good picture for us to look at all this and say, Amen. So be it. Truth. Truly, truly. As we close this series, I want to ask you what commitment you will make. I've allowed just a little more time at the end of the service to do this. This is before we get to our response time. But I be believe that God requires a commitment from each one of us. I don't know how you view Scripture. I have such a high view of Scripture that any time we're reading it, it's being proclaimed, we're sitting, we're listening, we're hearing all these things, God requires a commitment. Well, pastor, I'm already saved. That's just one commitment. There's a lot of commitments. If we are not changed by his word and what he is saying to us, his revelation to us, scripture, then what good is it? I don't care how smart you are, how knowledgeable you are, how successful you are. If the Word of God doesn't change you and you make commitments, are you ready of this? Commitments of action, what good is it? I've heard it said, and you may think it's trivial, but if God didn't have something for us to do on earth, why didn't he just zap us the moment we were regenerated, saved, transformed? I've thought about that a lot. I, I, I can see why someone would say that. Can you? What good is it if we just, if nothing happens, if there's no change, if there's no action, if there's no commitment, 
if there's no outpouring, if it's not rubbing off on someone else. And so as we close this series, I want to ask you, what commitment will you make? I firmly believe in my heart that some need to meet, make the commitment of salvation. Remember, God gets the glory. He's the one who does it. It's not that I step up and say, okay, God, I'm, I'm ready. Look at me. Save me. No, he gives us the faith to stand before him and say, I believe that you are able. You are able to forgive me of my sin. That's repentance. We turn and we give it to him by faith. God, please forgive me and save me and be my Lord. So that's a commitment I want you to think about this morning. Have you made that in your life? Is he your savior? Not here, but here. And if so, I need to ask, as, as I've been praying, some of you, I, I would join with you and say, yes, he's your Savior. But how much Lord is he really? That's a question that every Christian, every child of the king, part of the family, we should ask that question every day. Are you Lord or am I going to assume the throne in my life? How many of you would say sometimes we assume the throne in our life? Anybody out there? Maybe. Thank you. Yeah. Again, you know I'm concerned with people who have it all together. Super Christians. I'm really concerned with that. Each day, if we don't choose the Lordship of Christ to supersede everything, we can fall into this or that, can't we? And maybe we're not going to go out and be a serial killer or anything, but we can lie. We can cheat. We can have a prejudice a wrong thought, all these kind of things that can happen. So what commitment would you make? Salvation? Jesus the Savior? As Lord? Perhaps some of you are still hung up on baptism. I want you to think about that for a minute. That's a big step of what we do after we are saved. A big step of starting discipleship, of following Christ. And some people have hang-ups. Listen, it's real simple. Have you been baptized after you became a Christian and were you dunked? And who did it? Not so much the person, but what church was it in and what did they teach about baptism? It's not about regeneration. Believer's baptism, dunked. It's a proclamation to everyone. Look what God has done with me. Praise the Lord. Maybe it's church family. It's ironic that we have our next steps class today uh, for people to investigate becoming a covenant member of our church. How we covenant with you, how you would covenant with us and, and have membership. Maybe for some of you, you've been thinking about that. I would tell you this. Church hopping never works. Oh, yeah, that's great. I do it all the time. I love this preacher on TV and that. No. There's something about the family. Amen? There's something about rolling up our sleeves, 
getting involved and being part of the family. I love our worship times, musically speaking, because I get to do this. Wow, there's my bald spot again. All right. There. <laughs> I see the family serving over here. Do you? I see the family serving over here. And Michelle, it's good to have you back on those, beat those things as hard as you can, those drums. Yeah. And we see the family serving all up here, right? Even all the way to the, the back row. It's part of the family. It blesses me. And then we sing, and sometimes I just turn around and look and scanning. And some of you all, you stand up straight when I do that. No, you don't do that. But to see people joining in. Why? The family. Are you part of church family? Yes, I know about the worldwide church of God. Yes, I know all that and all the nations and tribes and tongues. And yet there is something about being part of a local body family. So I say all that to prepare us for our response time. And the final commitment I would ask, would you consider joining the battle for truth? Not as a rabble rouser, but as someone with grace and mercy and love would contend for the truth of God, would provide that different worldview into people's lives as we gain the right to do that in their lives. Would you consider joining in, perhaps for the first time in your life? Yes, I will step up. Yes, I will be a witness. Yes, I will take a stand for truth. Yes, I will in love and grace try to impact and influence my world around me. Let's pray. God, we pray for commitment. God, we're not concerned about external or, or how many people can walk forward or how many people can pray uh, up on the altar. Those are all very important. Also, God, we realize that you can do business in our hearts. You can circumcise our hearts. You can bring newness. You can solidify commitment, and we pray today. God, I pray for today for those are lost. God, I pray you make it clear to them that they are lost and without you, they face eternity in hell. God, I pray that you would save people today right here, right in their, in their home, wherever they might be, in their computer room, whatever it is, God, that you would do that. God, I also pray that those of us who call ourselves Christians, that that you would be more of the Lord of our life. God, I pray for those who have hang-ups, maybe about uh, baptism or church membership, church family, that you would work in that way. And God, I pray that we would make the commitment to join in the fight, the battle, to contend for truth. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.